Welcome to the Pants Cast, brought to you by Lululemon, a show about all things pants. My guest is Matt James, former NCAA player and Lululemon ABC pant enthusiast. Hi, great to be here. Matt, tell us all about those ABC pants. The comfort? They're like the pants I put on when I don't want to wear pants. Versatility? You could wear these pants to a wedding, but you could also wear these to a cookout. And what about style? They're like if casual and cool had a baby. Well, it's clear why you're an ABC enthusiast. Pleasure having you and your pants on the show. Thanks for having us. Find the shockingly comfortable ABC pants at lululemon.com. This episode is brought to you by Skinny Pop Popcorn. Perfectly popped, endlessly delicious. Oh, so light and crunchy. Skinny Pop Original Popcorn is the snack you've been searching for. Made with just three simple ingredients, popcorn kernels, sunflower oil, and salt. Snacking never felt or tasted so good. Perfectly popped, endlessly delicious. Give yourself permission to snack and pick up Skinny Pop Original Popcorn today. Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game with me, Kevin Day, and Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire. Kieran, good morning. How are you? We're I'm very good. Very good. In fact, we, we, we saw each other last night. I think we're almost into double figures in terms of actually physically meeting. Um, and we, we went to see a play, which was... Jolly good, I think is the is, is that the correct the, theatrical phrase? It's, it's, it's one fu- of the, it's one of them, thought, Kieran. Yeah, fucking brilliant would be another one. <laughs> uh, we did indeed. It's one of those uh, unusual plays about football where it gets football right because football. Most people who write about football and football fans have never been within sniffing distance of an onion at a football ground. But um, this was this was very good, and I, w- I would say, Kieran, that the Palace fan in the play probably got the best lines. But uh, it, it was very good, and also I, I think, considering that there was a mixed audience, Kieran, of Palace fans and Brighton fans, the fact that you lost five one on on Monday was barely mentioned. <laughs> yes, barely it mentioned. Was. Out of respect, <laughs> <laughs> although I am. <laughs> Uh, I, I think the Baroness was less pleased when I mentioned this last night that it made me laugh so much at that picture of the angry Brighton fan making a very middle-class gesture towards Everton when so many people thought it was you. Going, Is that Kieran? It's like, no, it's not. Kieran's, Kieran's very restrained at football games, aren't you, Kieran? Yes. Yeah, mainly due to not having any energy because of drinking all that water and quinoa, essentially. Uh, it's Newsday, Kieran. Um, we have some news. Um I'm afraid to say that we have some familiar faces as well mm. in today's news. Uh, the team names that I really, really hoped we wouldn't have to talk about again. But having said that, later on, we have some good news for an old suspect, basically, hopefully. Um, but first of all, Kieran, is UEFA uh, bigging itself up about its new Champions League format? Yes. So the switch to the Swiss model. Uh, which is kicking in in just over a season. So, you know, I'm I'm quite happy that Brighton aren't trying to get into the Champions League <laughs> this year. Delay it 12 months and we'll get 33% more money. So, yeah, it's all part of a cunning plan yeah. to be shite on a Monday night. Um, so UEFA have done two things. First of all, they've increased the number of games in the competition because there's going to be more home fixtures. Um, because I think you're going to get four now instead of three. Um, we've got this Swiss model kicking in, and it appears to have gone down well with broadcasters. Um, so what we are seeing is two things. First of all, the pie 
is bigger. And when it comes to distribution and people start kicking off, there's always two elements is how big is your pie and how are you going to slice it? Um, and, and then when it comes to the slicing, this is where we are still getting quite a lot of discomfort uh, from some clubs because they see the elite of Europe um, very much benefiting from, from this new arrangement. Um, and there is pressure being put on UEFA to reduce the amount of money that's distributed to clubs in what's known as as the 10-year coefficient. And, and, the, and what, what the 10-year coefficient does is it ranks every club who are participating in the Champions League in terms of how successful have they been, not domestically, but in UEFA's competitions over the last 10 years. So therefore, if Real Madrid or if Bayern Munich or you know some say some of some of the the heavyweights of Europe, if they get kicked out of the Champions League in the group stage, they still get a huge amount of money because the way that it works out is that you just get you get just over one million euro where you are on this particular table in this in this ten year table. So the, the side finishing bottom. Uh, so, for example, we've, you know, Newcastle have done spectacularly well this season. They, they've got a high chance of qualifying for the Champions League next year. The chances are they will be in in the bottom two or three of of the UEFA ranking. So they'll get you know one one or two million pounds. Real Madrid will get thirty two, um, re- regardless of whether they win uh, La Liga this season or not, regardless of whether they win any matches in the group stages next season, um, whether they part, whether they make progress in the competition. So the the aim of that was a sop given by UEFA a few years ago because these clubs were threatening to create their own Super League. I think with that threat now gone, that issue can be revisited and. Therefore, you know, if the likes of Ajax and Porto and Sparta Prague, if they qualify for the competition, they, they should, if they do well, they should get the same amount of money as, of as the elite of Europe. Uh, I'm glad to hear you say that Brighton are doing a bit of forward planning by not getting into the Champions League this year, because that means that Palace are really playing the long game. <laughs> we're just like, no, we'll wait another two decades. Imagine the money we'll be getting in two decades' time when we're in the Champions League. Uh, it looks, Kieran, as though we may not be getting our interview with Lawrence Bassini after all. I know this is this is a sad day yeah. for the price of football, isn't it? Um, and and for people who are wondering what we're talking about, um, the uh, the former owner of Watford, uh, Lawrence Bassini, who um, who was then barred from football for six years and uh, was was alleged to have done things which which we can't say. Um, on, on a broadcast show, but if anybody's coming to Leicester <laughs> tomorrow night, and uh, you know, if, 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 if you if you buy me a couple of lime and sodas, yeah, you know, lo- loose lips sink ships. I'll say no more than that. But it, it could it could all be revealed. Um, Kieran, Kieran, I can't I can't stress enough what what guy would want me to, to stress even more. It, it's still not legally correct, even if you're in a, a room. If, if you're just saying it in front of people in not in, into a microphone. You, you could still get into a bit. It's not going to stop you saying it. You know, it won't stop me laughing while you do it. I'm just letting you know on your head, be it. Right. <coughs> it's, it's it's hot gossip. Yeah, it's it's, it's hot gossip. It's, it's to be. Kieran, I wish we could. I wish we could share it because it's 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 fantastic in a kind of. Uh, yeah, he should be wearing a, a a hoopy jumper and having a bag marked swag 
<laughs> but um, we probably won't be able to say that. I don't know, but let's carry on. <laughs> yes. Um, so, so Lawrence Bassini at one stage was um, claiming that he was in a position to acquire Birmingham City, and I think it's fair to say that he's uh, he, he's he's good copy, and he he had promised us that should that deal be successful, he would come onto the show to reveal all and about his his. Uh, his ideals for the club. But that yeah, it now so looks... He certainly wouldn't reveal all, Kieran. Let's put it... <laughs> <laughs> no. um, but what we have seen um, is an announcement on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange that uh, there has now been a transfer of 46% of the shares of Birmingham City um, in that particular market. So it, it doesn't give the, the new owner, who is an American investor, um, uh full control because you need 51%. But what he can probably now do is sort of start to talk to some of the other minority shareholders with a view to persuading them. Um, and, and I think we we then have a, a, a much more clarity uh, that's been lacking uh, at, at Birmingham City. Um, you know, that they've, that they've clearly run over a series of black cats in, mm. in terms of ownership. They, they had Carson Young, the, the Hong Kong hairdresser, uh, who who ended up uh, he ended up doing time inside in Hong Kong uh, for uh, money laundering issues. So uh, and then a, a series of just bad news and, and lack of transparency. And also that there has to be credit given to to those Birmingham City fans, and they know who they are, who have uh, diligently and doggedly pursued this particular issue with with a view to trying to get as much information out as possible. So. Um, it's it's good news for the Blues. Uh, you know, keep right on, guys. Uh, I, th- I think you, you can now hopefully have a, a stadium with with four stands, which are worth standing in and sitting in, mm. um, and things will start to improve in in, in one of our big city clubs. At, why would the new uh, or potential new owner not simply buy fifty one percent outright, or is that not an option? Well, it, it's what he's done. He's, he's bought two tranches of shares. I think ah, I one, there was a right. 25% and a 21%, and both of those deals have gone through effectively simultaneously. So now he, he is certainly, whilst he's not legally in control, um, he's got effective control because small shareholders don't tend to uh, you know, get particularly involved at annual general meetings and votes right, okay. and so on. But I, th- I think from a, he will be looking to to, to cement that. Um, and, and one can only presume that this deal must have been approved by the EFL because he, he's gone through the what we refer to as the significant influence threshold as well. Okay. Uh, I can't tell you, Kieran, how dispiriting and tedious it is to have to talk about this next story, it's just starting to. Oh, it's beyond angry now. If yeah, well, I think people can probably guess which which part of Essex we're heading towards. Yes, um, on on the first of March, uh, Southend United were uh, before the uh, before the beak. Uh, and they were subject to a winding up order. And owner Oron Martin, um, as he has done on many an occasion, uh, managed to find the money. I think it was about £1.4 million pounds yeah. at the time um, in unpaid taxes. And, and people say, well, you know, you know, do football clubs, where do they get the money to pay these taxes? <clears throat> they get these monies from their employees because they deduct money at source um, in terms of PAYE. And they get this money from you and I because every time that we buy a ticket, every time that we buy a pint, every time that we buy a piece of merchandise, we pay VAT on it. Yeah. And it's the job of the football club to say, right, yeah, we've sold the 
we've sold the football shirt for 40 quid. You know, eight quid of that is VAT. We're going to set that aside and we're going to pay that across to HMRC at the end of the month. And they have a legal responsibility because they are collecting money which on which we have paid tax, yeah. not the club itself. And, and they failed to do that. Um, and Ron Martin, who is the owner, you know, dutifully said, the club is saved and everybody heaved a sigh of relief and we're now back at square one. So there's been uh, another winding up order on, on the 17th of May, um, which is due. Uh, so that's a week. I fully anticipate that what will happen is that there will be prevarication and delay from Ron Martin again. He'll try to <clears> kick <throat> it down, try to get the judge to say, I'll give you another four or five weeks. But it, it's it's not fair um, on on the people involved, um, and, and it is a cause for concern. Now, I've, I've been liaising with with somebody um, at South End, and clearly, it's you know we we, we have to preserve that person's um, rights. But but this is what they've said. Yeah, it, it's another Ron Martin masterclass in yeah. how not to deal with HMNC. He'd have had much more leeway if he wasn't so combative um, with them over the years. Their timing is odd, but it'd be remiss of them to not know about embargoes and non-payments of wages. You know, it's, it's, mm. This is all from the wrong, uh, the wrong playbook. Um, and, and then this person goes on to say, uh, excuse my language, uh, it's fair to say everybody in the football department is fucked off, disillusioned, and at the point where if other clubs wanted their services – who could blame them if they went? So they've done well South End this year. You know, in, in trying circumstances, they've, they've had a decent uh, season in the National League. The fans have stayed loyal. The fans have travelled in numbers to away fixtures and well as well. And you can understand the the despair and the disillusionment with with somebody who has not got the best interests of the football club at heart, who sees uh, Roots Hall as an opportunity to make money from a property perspective, and uh, your heart goes out to the people who who, who are working there who don't know. You know how long they've got a job there. They don't know with, with any certainty at the start of each month whether they're going to be paid and so on. You're quite the potty mouth today, Kieran, but in the circumstances, I think it's entirely appropriate. I, I would have I'm, – I'm freelance, Kieran, with you know, the occasional cash flow issues that go with that. Uh, and I have every sympathy with uh, freelance individuals who put their, their money aside for tax payments and for VAT payments and – find themselves in a situation where they think, well, I'm going to have to dip into this to pay the mortgage. That happens to all freelance people. And then what you do is you explain to HMRC and they 99.9% of the time go, yes, we understand. You can have a month or two extra to, to pay mm. off. That that happens, right? So, so people who are much more sensible with money than me, that happens. But this bloke is doing this deliberately. It's his policy. It's a ploy. He's... It, it, it's him that's it's not the because we know we've spoken to people at South End who know what should be happening, who know the right thing to do, but are being prevented from doing it by this wronging. It's just mm. and and he, he just keeps doing it and he clearly has no, as you say, no indication of the implications for the mental health and the well being of all the people who who work for him, who legally he's responsible for, for their self their safeguarding, their health and safety, and he's not He's not doing that, and not just them, but the fans as well. It's just, I don't understand how he's allowed to keep getting away with it. And the thing is, he won't keep getting away with it because eventually 
he, he can't, the brinkmanship will fail. It mm. begs belief. And, and also, to, beggaring belief, Kieran, I can't believe we're going back to Wigan Athletic for the fifth time, Kieran. The fifth time. Yep. And it's... And, and it's you know it, it's 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 ludicrous. So so for again for people unfamiliar, uh, Wigan have not paid their wages on time, and uh, this this started off uh, just, just about a year ago, um, and we've had a series of ridiculous excuses. So the, the, I think the first time it happened, that they they blamed it on the platy jubes. You know they they blamed it on the on on the Queen's sixtieth uh, anniversary of coming to the crown. And then there's been, you know, bank holidays have been blamed and cash flow problems and so on. Uh, Wigan were rescued um, by the new owners. And there's always, I think there's always a lot of goodwill towards new owners from fans because the alternative was potentially Wigan no longer being in existence. And I remember when when the club was in administration, you know, we had people, you know, we had, we had Andy Burnham from the Mayor of Manchester came on the show. We had local people coming on with it, with the supporters' trust and so on. And, and the affection and, and the the desire to preserve Wigan was there. The new owners have left, have, have let the club down. They've let the fans down. They've let the, the, the employees down. Um, they, they know when the wages have to be paid. Um, if... They, they they knew they couldn't pay the wages. Then then don't sign the players on the contracts in the first place. Yeah, you know, uh, and I appreciate Wigan have been relegated, and this is going to have implications because there will be a substantial de- uh, decrease in terms of their revenue in League One compared to the Championship. Part of the reason why Wigan have been relegated is because of their financial issues, because yeah. the EFL have said you've. This is what you've got to do, and Wigan have effectively uh, shown two fingers to the EFL. So it's it, it's depressing that two sides relegated from the Championship this season have been subject to um, points deductions. Yeah, we, we've said from day one on the show it should, it should always be done on the pitch. But equally, I, I don't know what the alternative is from the EFL's mm. point of view. They've, mm. they've got to preserve the integrity of the competition. And if owners, and, 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 and people say it's Wigan, no, you separate the owner from the football club. They have a separate legal identity and they've got a separate culture and they've got a separate set of values as far as I'm concerned. It's the owners, once again, who show complete contempt for the game. Well, because I saw the latest press release, apology, explanation, whatever it's talked about issues with moving money within the far east it's like it's not we're not living in victorian times anymore mm. it's it's not some people carrying a cash box along thousands of miles it's it's the press of a button it's it's and it's just it's just unforgettable and you can't you can't imagine that the efl won't respond with another points deduction you would have thought so the, the chances are they'll be starting in league one three six nine points behind it's and and that it exacerbates the problems because then and that gives them less money to pay the wages. It's just something that we need to change the rules so somebody can just step in and move these. Oh, I'm sorry, Kieran. I'm just I was in quite a good mood until these last two stories. Just really now we have been promising uh, discussion, Kieran, about uh, Yeovil Town um, mm. uh, to people who have been asking, uh, and it's been slightly difficult because of the nature, shall we say, of some of the individuals. Concerned, but there's been a big development this week. Yes, and <clears throat> sadly, say not a good one. Yeah, um, I, I have to be a little bit circumspect um, yeah. in what I say because I have been liaising with somebody who 
has some data which which we don't feel it's appropriate to put out yet. Um, Yeovil Town uh, have an owner called Scott Priestnell. Um, I would describe him as Ron Martin on cider, um, <laughs> in, in, in the sense that his his perception of Yeovil Town is as a property opportunity yeah. rather than as a football club. He's on the board of the National League, although it baffles me as to why, uh, given his, his objectives. Um, and uh, there, there has been talk about a new owner coming in who's been negotiating with uh, Scott Priestnell since, since last December. Um, and this is a guy called Matt Ugler. And, and as recently as the 28th of April, so you know, effectively what, 10 days ago, just over 10 days ago, um, he was saying, we are almost there. You know, we've, uh, we're pretty close to finalising the agreement. And then all of a sudden, there's an announcement that despite apparently putting £430,000 into the club, the deal is off. We couldn't, we couldn't agree. Um, so therefore, you ask the question, how does this leave the, the future of Yeovil Town? It's, it's, it's not making money. Um, what is Scott, Scott Priestnell's objectives? Um, you know, we, I, I know one or two people in terms of the Glover's Trust, you know, and we'd be more than happy for them to come on the show if they want to have a chat to explain it in, in more detail. But we've, we've now got three clubs who are in danger. Um, and I think I think we, you know, I, I mentioned probably a couple of months ago that I'd been talking to to somebody quite senior at a, at a club uh, in the EFL, and I said, "Well, you, you must be absolutely delighted. Yeah, we've we've managed to survive uh, COVID. We've come through. We've still got the ninety two. We've still got all of these clubs um, in the National League." And he just looked at me and said, "Sorry, mate, um, the coming storm has not yet come." And these these types of stories. Um, and, and there are others as well. Um, Shrewsbury Town put out an announcement last night, uh, and Shrewsbury was always those clubs which I've considered to be run on, on a pretty even keel. Yeah, they're losing a bit of money, but now they're saying we've got we've got problems. I, I was contacted by people from another club who showed me the, the club's retained list, and they've got five players now who who have got contracts. From from the start of next season, they might be able to recruit, but how they're going to recruit without money? Um, it, it's it's turning the the game into a bit of a farce. Uh, yeah, and, and you know, for those of us who love our football history, Kieran, and romantic about our football history, Yeovil is a name that that mm. crops up. I mean, one of the greatest giant killing FA Cup acts ever, and it's just. I don't understand. They've just been they've just been relegated as well, haven't they? So mm. I don't understand how that the owner is on the board of the National League. I, I would I would love somebody from the National League to explain how that's allowed to happen. And the, the thing is, as well, I think we should point out, Kieran, that there are some decent, and I mean, not far from Yeovil, Forest Green, mm. team with responsible, decent ownership. So they are out there. And yet, at the moment, all we're talking about is people driving these great historic clubs into the ground. Yes, yeah, uh, and you know, we we do become a bit like the Grim Reaper on this show. And uh, I, I know 
yeah, when, when I put out the the show list, um, sort, of, like the, sort of the night before we actually we actually broadcast, um, fans scour and, and you go, yeah, sigh of relief, yeah. we're not on. Yeah, and, and sometimes they're they're good news stories, but I think we're now associated with bad news as far as the industry is concerned, which which, which is a shame because we would we would love to have more positive news to, to <sighs> talk about football. Um, and 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 we'd love to be knocking out the show in in twenty five minutes in, instead of two hours a week. It's, it's like the old days when if Kate Aidy turned up in your village, you knew there was something <laughs> really badly wrong. Um, so, well, although did Kieran, this next story, there's a, uh, talking of scouring the list of clubs to see who's on. Uh, there's going to be a, a a mild panic from from Derby fans. Yes. When they when they see that I'm almost nostalgic. It's been such a long time since we've spoken about Derby and our old friends Quantumar. Yes. So the good news for Derby County fans, if if you are starting to panic, is this does have no this has no negative impact upon the ability of Derby County and the new owner David Clowes, who I've heard nothing but praise for from people in the industries. If the bowler counts a thoroughly decent chap, um, this is to do with uh, Derby County when the club went into administration and the administrators Quantuma. Now at the time. Um, they they had agreed fees with creditors of one point six five million pounds, but now they're saying actually we want an extra three hundred and fifty grand, um, and they say and we're still making a loss because we've we, we've clocked up uh, you know, on 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 our meter which is a bit like a taxi driver's meter um, on our meter we we've actually clocked up time of of over three million pounds worth of cost but then then you, you look at the rates at which they're charging people out and uh, you know there's I think it's it's averaging around about 400 pounds an hour um, and, and that goes from you know both the partners in in quantum are uh, you, you've got people on on far lower wages, but still being charged out at pretty outrageous fees. Um, so you you, st- you then go into the details of this, and uh, yeah, this this was something uh, I think uh, an eyebrow that we raised at the time. Why on earth are Derby County and, and here again? It goes back to the owner. This the owner, Mel Morris. Why is he getting a uh, relatively? Uh, uh, niche uh, firm of administrators uh, who are not based in the East Midlands to to come and do the administration because you look at some of the other costs and you've got the accommodation and the travel costs and and, and the subsistence costs and we're talking you know we're talking six figures here mm. uh, yeah and, and I appreciate look you know people people need to travel from London up to Derby and they're therefore to be staying in hotels and and yes the job took longer than expected um, but th- there's another issue that that uh, part of Quantum's business is is being wound up, and my understanding is because the people there have fallen out with each other for, for reasons we, we we don't don't need to really go into. And Quantuma ultimately were the people who recommended Chris Kirchner as the preferred bidder, mm. which I think it upset Mike Ashley at the time, which is why he's been a bit grumpy uh, in terms of things to do with Coventry. Um, but Chris Kirchner, who was their preferred bidder, and again, there, you know, it's easy to say, I told you so, but people were 
querying. How did somebody with no digital footprint all of a sudden appear? He, he kept being photographed at, uh, at tournaments uh, for golf. Uh, he, he came along to the grounds. By all accounts, uh, he, he managed to persuade somebody else to pay the wages uh, for one month when, when the administrators were running out of cash by the looks of it. Um, and uh, then, then he just sort of effectively disappeared. He said, "Oh, the deal's off." Mm. Um, it looks like now he could be facing up to a hundred and fifty years in prison wow. uh, in respect of the way that he ran his organisation. So, I mean, to be fair, he didn't oh, just fall Mel Morris. He didn't just fall fall Quantuma. He didn't just fall the EFL. He also fooled Goldman Sachs and the people who are funding his business. Um, and uh, it, it looks like it's going to be, uh, you know, a, a a scam of unprecedented levels. Mm, he didn't fool you, Q, and you had him down as a, a wrong'un slash tyre kicker uh, <laughs> right from the start. Kieran, this is your world, so you need to explain this to me. <clears throat> First of all, is it uh, uncommon for administrators to decide after the job that they want more money? And, and secondly, surely Derby now are no longer in administration, so would there not have been a, a settling up fee at the time or is this something that uh, you know carries on for months afterwards no no the administration mm. is is still um ticking over so, oh, so okay, you, right. you, have, you have to accept that the the administrators still have um some things to deal with um and 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 again you know it, it's it's a risk when you take on the job that they might ultimately the administrators get paid first from the proceeds of sale but there's no guarantee that they will manage to sell the business. So it, there is a risk uh, involved as far as, as taking on the work. Um, and as for the rates, um, okay, it's, it's easy for me to be a bit sniffy. Um, they're market rates. They're, they're not excessive right, by, okay. by administrator standards. But ultimately, you stand on or fall on your ability to, to deliver. And yes, eventually they got the deal over the line, but uh, they they got into bed with a wrong one. And if you get into bed with the wrong person and you don't realise they're the wrong person, you, you can get, you know, it, it gets very messy. Well, we've all done that, to be fair, Kieran. Let's be fair. <laughs> um, what does it take then to, to come out of administration? Um, when you have sold all of the assets, you've collected all the outstanding debts, you, you, you then effectively transfer whatever's left over and you, uh, to the liquidator. So, so that would be the next step. Right. Okay, but I don't. This is what I don't quite understand because they've got the new owner. So why did, did why does he just pay all the the, the money that's or is that he's a separate? Because it, yes, because what happens is that David Clowes has bought the assets of Derby uh, County uh, I see. from okay. the administrator. Right, I he see. has not inherited any of the bills run up by the administrators or any of the <gasps> the, the liabilities <clears throat> of the club, which were run up by Mel Morris before he decided to walk away. Oh, I see. Okay. But, I mean, it, would there be a scenario if David Clowes was a billionaire where he said, just to get this sorted, I will pay all these debts off? Is, could that, is that legally allowed? It, it, it's allowed, but, you know, he, he didn't run up those debts, yeah, so why no, should no. he? Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. Chronic migraine is 15 or more headache days a month, each lasting four hours or more. 
Botox onabotulinum toxin A prevents headaches in adults with chronic migraine. It's not for adults with migraine with 14 or fewer headache days a month. It prevents, on average, 8 to 9 headache days a month versus 6 to 7 for placebo. Prescription Botox is injected by your doctor. Effects of Botox may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness can be signs of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Side effects may include allergic reactions, neck and injection site pain, fatigue, and headache. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Don't receive Botox if there's a skin infection. Tell your doctor your medical history, muscle or nerve conditions, including ALS Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis or Lambert-Eaton syndrome, and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. Ask your doctor and visit BotoxChronicMigraine.com or call 1-800-44-BOTOX to learn more. Night racing is back at Richmond Raceway. This spring, top NASCAR drivers like Ryan Blaney, Chase Elliott, Bubba Wallace, Ross Chastain, and Virginia's own Denny Hamlin will battle under the bright lights. And this historic track also offers a rocking infield experience with unparalleled access to your favorite drivers and one of the best tailgate scenes around. For a weekend of friends, family, and amazing short track action, head to Richmond Raceway, March 29th through 31st. Get tickets now at richmondraceway.com. Kieran, you say we're the Grim Reaper, but I, I think this next story is is nothing but good news. Hopefully, is it? Yes, th- this this is uh, fantastic. It's uh, it's Berry. We now have a single Berry football club with the ability to play at Gig Lane. So there was a vote between the two parties, um, Berry. Uh, AFC and Berry FC uh, Supporters Society. Um, and we, we were aware um, that they had a, a vote a few months ago where the, the two-thirds threshold was not reached at uh, the Supporters Society. And there was, I think it's fair to say that there was a lot of glee um, from the naysayers yeah. um, uh, at the time, which which didn't necessarily reflect particularly well on them. The the people in charge of the supporters society, um, they said it's 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 a bit like uh, and you know, I've, I've just been reading the the book on Boris Johnson about uh, when when the Brexit vote vote came through, his first reaction was, "Cripes, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. We haven't got a plan." <clears throat> yeah. Well, it was exactly the same here for Berry FC supporters society. Yes, the. Sixty percent of people did vote in favour. Forty, you know, around about just under, just under forty percent didn't. Um, and they said, right, well, you know, we're not going to merge with Berry AFC. We own the football ground. We haven't got a plan, and there's a danger that some of the financial support and the grants could now be taken away. So they've had a rethink, um, and they've had a revote, and, and there's more than ninety percent in favour from both parties. So th- this is. This is this is fantastic news. Yet yeah, so, sometimes you you have to negotiate uh, with with people who you don't get on with, and, and there has been a lot of factionalisation uh, within Berry. But I always take the view that you know if uh, if Ian Paisley and Martin McGuinness can get around a table together in Northern Ireland, then then people at Berry can do the same. And um, I just really look forward to to football taking place. Yeah, at okay. Gig Lane. Yeah, it, it it's been a great shame that the fans fell out. But you, we both understand what football fans are like, Kieran. They they were channeling their anger towards Steve Dale in different ways, mm. basically, mm. and they turned on each other 
rather than the person that they should have turned on. But hopefully, like you say, and, and there was a time a couple of months ago, Kieran, when we didn't think we'd be giving this good news because it looked like the t- two sides were at such loggerheads. So it's great that they've got together. And, and Barry, as you say, will have a football club playing at Gig Lane, which is how things should be. Yes. Um, yeah. And hopefully, Kieran, they'll be back in the EFL sooner rather than later when they will be copying a bit more money. Yes. Um, EFL clubs have approved and have unanimously voted in a new TV deal. Now, the existing deal, which was for £595 million over five years, has been replaced by one which is worth 935 So, So to get that increase in an environment in which, with the exception of the Premier League, the, 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 and even so, the, you know, the Premier League rights domestically have not increased in value. You know, they are they are flatlining, but they're still flatlining at a high high amount. To get that amount of money, when if you talk to administrators in in, in other sports, they are uh, they they would be delighted uh, at times if they got this, you know, broadly the same amount of money as before, uh, because there is so much attention on. Champions League, World Cup, Premier League, that everybody else is being squeezed out in, in the same way that a cuckoo would um, when, it, when, it, uh, when it lays its egg in the nest of another bird, um, which I, I didn't think that ornithology was going to come into this conversation, but, it, but we never know when we start off, do we? Um, so there's a significant increase. Um, now, part of the reason for that is that the number of matches which are going to be broadcast is going to go up to uh, a factor of about four to around about a thousand a season and this does mean that um, there's going to be disruption so the, the positive news is that a lot more money is coming for the clubs and the clubs are delighted with that um, I think there'll be around about five matches shown um, on uh, on Sky um, who are the preferred party. Uh, for the broadcasting and those matches will mainly be kicking off at 12:30 and 5:30 so very, it's very much a case of if you are supporters of clubs in the EFL you're you're going to have to accept that the 3 p.m. traditional kickoff is not going to be taking place as as often as you have had historically um fans will rightly say well hold on you know this this will impact upon our plans i absolutely understand that again to be to be fair play, you know to give the efl some credit here the 3 p.m. blackout has been preserved which i think is better than, than it not yeah. being preserved and um as far as um the the matches are concerned you will know in august exactly which matches are being switched to 12:30 and 5:30 kickoffs up to, you know, so you'll, you'll be told in August up to the start of the new year. So you can plan, um, and yes, it will involve a disruption. And yes, you know, sort of, you know, I, I, certainly when when Brighton win the championship, you know, get, getting to somewhere for midday, two hours in the pub, stroll down to the ground. That was our routine, mm. and that's not going to be the case. And you and I know that that's not the case for our clubs in the Premier League as well. You know, it, it, so there will be a substantial reduction in the number of 3pm kickoffs. Um, the, also in November, the EFL will announce then, then the matches for January, February and March. Um, so it will give fans the opportunity to do a bit more planning. Um, that The clubs will be able to, to broadcast the highlights 
from the matches on their own social media channels within within an hour of the match finishing. So oh, okay. again, in terms of sort of engagement and, and building up you know, your, your outside interests, um, they're, they're going to increase the quality of the broadcasting. So um, as far as clubs in League One are concerned, um, they they will now have four cameras at a match. Historically, they've only had one. Clubs in League Two, they'll have two cameras. Mm. Again, historically, they've only had one. So we'll see better better quality broadcasting. Um, and uh, they are also capping the number of times that individual clubs with will appear live on TV. So that that's good. It, it's it spreads. It, it spreads the inconvenience around, but also spreads the it spreads the money and the good news. Because otherwise, yeah, without being disrespectful, the chances are that Wrexham would would be shown for every League Two match. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. and and that's that's not fair on the other twenty three clubs. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, the Wrexham story is an entertaining one, but it, it shouldn't uh, it, it shouldn't dominate. Um, as a result of this, um, you, you're going to need more people to do work within the world of broadcasting. So it looks as if um, there's going to be some job creation. And, and I think that the EFL are trying to encourage um, colleges who are running journalism courses. You, know, you, you need people to be doing the, the match commentaries and, and the, the, the pre-match interviews. So, so, so this is good for those people who, and yeah, you know, I, I know, Lots of people that want to work in the what you might call you know the, the wider football industry, and you, you know yourself from your own experience that um, there, there are limited opportunities there. This this will expand the amount of coverage, and, and therefore opportunities for job creation will come off the back of it. The downsides, um, the distribution. I think it's going to be something like seventy five, fifteen, ten. There's an argument for saying, well, we've got a bigger cake. And a lot of it's still going to the championship. So the gap between the championship and League One is still an issue. Um, those clubs that have historically sold a lot of I follow passes, I, I'd expect to see the sales of those decrease because the matches are now being shown live on Sky. So you know, why, why pay a tenner for a pass mm. when, when it's being broadcast live? So, so there's, 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 there's swings and roundabouts there. Um, I think Sky is setting up a new yeah, – we, we've got Sky – Premier League, we're now going to have Sky EFL, sort of a dedicated channel, and yeah, that that that's good because I understand. You know, we we we've both spent plenty of years in the EFL uh, supporting our clubs, and sometimes it gets a bit galling that it that at times the Sky and I'm, and actually I think they do a fantastic product overall. At times, it's you know. Some somebody at Manchester United's got a new haircut. Yeah, and yeah. you get twenty minutes of that, and you go, okay, well, we've got five minutes to go and show seventy-two clubs in the EFL. So having a dedicated channel, that's good news as well. It's, it's a, a couple of things, Kieran. You, you mentioned Wrexham, and you would hope that the schedulers are sensible around these things because you know Sutton v Wrexham, Wrexham v Sutton, hard enough for a three o'clock kickoff. You know, you make that trying to get to Wrexham for twelve thirty, or trying to get back from Sutton at half up half past eight in the evening is doubly difficult. Although we know fans wear these things as a badge of honour sometimes. Uh, secondly, all those new staff that have to be taken on, you hope are being paid proper money because there is uh, a temptation, shall we say, from some broadcasters to um, exploit the fact that people are desperate to work in the industry. But also, what slightly baffles me, Kieran, is that that five thirty Saturday kickoff 
there are a lot of Premier League games. I mean, nearly every Saturday there's a five thirty Premier League kickoff. So, is are they going to be in competition with each other these games? I I suspect so, and this this could be. Sky perhaps putting down a bit of a strategic marker right, uh, right, in okay. saying, right, we'll, we'll give we'll give those slots to BT or, uh, okay, or to right, Amazon. Right, right. Okay. We aren't, and, and Sky very much want to position themselves as the home of football, um, but they're, they're not allowed of monopoly of of the the packages which are sold by the Premier League, yeah. and I think there's there's a lot of merit for that. There's also demerit because it means that if you want to watch as many matches as possible, you need to subscribe to to Amazon Prime and BT Sport and Sky Sport and Sky as well. Um, so um, I, I think uh, Sky will be looking at this strategically. They they know that they've now got football. For seventy, they've got a thousand matches a season until twenty twenty nine. So they are clearly are all in as far as football is concerned. Um, but they're also saying to the Premier League, we won't be we won't be held to ransom in terms of what you're going to charge us because we do all of alternatives and we won't necessarily be be going for as many packages or the same packages as before. Yeah, talking. Of, there, were, there were a couple of games recently, entertaining games, good games that were on Amazon Prime. Uh, and Ali came home, came home from work one night around midnight and said, because uh, she could tell I was sulking, because it's very easy to tell when I'm sulking. <laughs> and I said, well, there's some really good games on tonight on Amazon Prime. I couldn't watch them. She said, we've got Amazon Prime, you numpty. It, it turns out the new telly we bought at Christmas has got Amazon Prime in it. So I, uh-huh. so I, I wish I'd known that. But I, I, obviously, I've tried to find it. I can't work the remote. Uh, so I can only watch Amazon Prime when Ali's in, and she doesn't want to watch <laughs> Wrexham Sutton. Bizarrely, um, yet, 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 yet. Of course, although she rather, of course, she lo- everyone loves Ryan Reynolds for the love of God. We could all look like Ryan Reynolds when we're his age, and Ryan Reynolds. Uh, the good news keeps coming for Burnley, Kieran. Yes, um, Burnley made a significant profit in in twenty one twenty two. Made a thirty six million pound profit uh, despite being relegated, but. Then, of course, I go into the small print, um, and, they, and of that £36 million of profit, um, £54 million of that came from player sales. So you know, they, they were very much uh, dependent upon getting rid of some of the talent. But I, I, I was one, and I know some other people were, were genuinely concerned when mm. they were relegated because they'd taken out loans from MSD Holdings. Um, they'd have been acquired via a leverage buyout, but... Uh, and, and therefore, they they gambled uh, with with the, with the club. But sometimes you got to say, well, well done. You know you, what you have done in terms of recruiting Vincent Company, completely yeah. changing the culture of of the way that the pl- club played football, and you know running up a hundred points this season is is a fantastic testament. They've repaid twenty million pounds worth of the debt during twenty two twenty three. They're back in the Premier League, and uh, yeah, an an, an, ex, an excellent set of financial results. And I always used to say when they're in the Premier League, you know, I always said. Uh, Burnley and Spurs down as as the two best run clubs financially, um, and now and now they're back in the Premier League to uh, repeat that potentially as well. Yeah, Vincent Company is one of the coolest people I've ever met in my life. I had to look after him when he was a guest on League of Their Own. He was fantastic. Oh, wow, he was fantastic, but also he endeared himself to everybody because uh, James Corden, uh, sort of introducing him, said that. He was a footballer who can speak three languages. Imagine that. And Vincent Company just went five. 
<laughs> uh, which is great. Um, we're nearly there, Kieran. I can't wait for our last story because it's got a phrase in it that I've never used before. Uh, but before that, we've got two big stories coming out of Manchester, Kieran. Yes, the the first of which, and you know, we are still in the position of rumour and counter-rumour mm. and strategic leaking to, I wouldn't, I wouldn't describe them as pet journalists, you know, the, the journalists are trying to do a job, but um, uh, we, we know now that there has been a third round of bids for Manchester United, um, the share price which had dipped a bit, that, that went up by 8% on, on Tuesday. I was checking uh, whilst we were watching the play, and I know you'll be, you'll be very disappointed. I was checking share prices um, on the quiet. Um, Kieran, not as disappointed as I could see. The, I could see you were doing something on your phone, and I could see the Baroness could see you were doing something on your phone. I'm rather relieved to hear that's what you were doing, is checking share prices. But <laughs> the, uh, most importantly, the actors. It wasn't the big theatre, Kieran. They would have spotted that you were checking something. <laughs> yes. Um, but... Uh, as part of Sir Jim Ratcliffe's bid, there has been talk that potentially uh, the Glazer family, or rather Joel and Avram Glazer, would be ma- able to maintain um, uh, an investment in the club. Potentially that would coincide with uh, board representation as well. But uh, it looks as if now uh, Sir Jim has probably read the room, and, and this hadn't gone down well with Manchester United fans. And um, there's a clause, and it, now it's described. Uh, it's described in the Daily Star, no less. Well, as as a secret clause, uh-huh. but the fact that but the fact that every single newspaper has reported on it suggests that it's not that secret. Mm. Um, and what has happened here is that if this is the case, there are what we refer to as as uh, put and call options, which could force uh, the Glazers to sell the shares in Manchester United at a pre-agreed price in 2026 or onwards. Um, it could also force Sir Jim Ratcliffe to buy the shares from the Glazers at a pre-agreed price uh, if, if the Glazers uh, exercise their options as well. So... This this would mean by 2026, and I've got to say, you know, um, he's he's a man in who, who always looks in fine health. He's he's not young, mm. Sir Jim Ratcliffe. So you know, we are talking three years down down the line, um, 2026. They, then they they could effectively be bought out, um, and, and he would have uh, a greater stake in the club via his his Ineos company, and uh, we would the. Uh, the boil which needs to be lanced uh, at Manchester United in respect of the Glazers would no longer be there. I'd say, Kieran, this bidding process has taken a lot longer than I think most people expected. Uh, does that, as they, as they like to say on BBC Financial News, spook the markets? Um, not, not necessarily spook. Um, you know, we've seen a series of peaks and troughs because the markets have reacted to to gossip, to rumor, to speculation, to strategic leaking um, at times. And, and, it, and I think it does show that, that markets are, are imperfect. But Manchester United share prices is double that of where it was in August um, 2022. So there is still a, a belief that there is going to be a a broad change of ownership. Um, I think some people will be very disappointed if Sir Jim Ratcliffe does acquire Manchester United and says to those shareholders who do not uh, who, who shares are being traded on the New York Stock Exchanges, thanks, folks, but no thanks. I don't want your shares because 
all of a sudden, I, 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 you could see the value of those shares um, take quite a tumble. Mm. Um, that's part of the game. That's what it says in the small print on the adverts. Isn't it? Could, exactly. It can go up as well as down. Uh, Man City, meanwhile, have been doing a bit of shopping, Kieran. Yes, um, and, and this is actually the the City Football Group, yeah. um, and they they have brought Brazilian team EC Bahia. Apologies once again for pronunciation. Um, now, the figure that we've seen quoted in in the press is one hundred and fifty eight million pounds. Now, that that looks a little bit high to me. Yeah. And, and I think doing a little bit of digging, I think actually it's substantially less than that. It, it's a bit like the the often quoted uh, Chelsea price of four point two five billion that we've seen, um, where uh, actually that the price to buy the football club was two point five billion, and then the new owners said, "Well, we're committing to to pay uh, the remainder over the course of the next uh, ten years in terms of uh, increased in- infrastructure spending and transfer spending." I think Todd Bowley may have mixed up the words years and months, <laughs> given given the rate at which. Uh, We've, we've seen Chelsea um, splurge, and, and that's that's a word we rarely see, except in, in talking yeah. football uh, transfer spending. Um, but uh, the, the reason for this is there's a, there's an awful lot of talent in Brazil. the The city football group is uh, is broadening its reach, um, and you know everybody knows that. Brazil is, is is one of the heartbeats of football, and if if you've got representation there, it reduces the chances of those players potentially going to Real Madrid. And yeah, we're recording this the night after the, the Real Madrid Manchester City match, where you know some of uh, Real Madrid's Brazilian talent look absolutely amazing. Mm, yeah. Oh yeah, right off around we'll do it at your peril. But I, I think all of us, Kieran, if we had the money to buy a football club in a different country, it would be Brazil. You'd go to first, wouldn't it? Basically, um, oh, yeah. the, our final story, Kieran. Uh, I'll leave our listeners to to guess uh, which billionaire we may be talking about when I say that this <laughs> this, this new story has the, the words "murky offshore structures." Uh, which I believe are one of John Peel's favourite bands. But um, uh, the murky offshore structures in the uh, small tent at Glastonbury, I, I just, I've just i been so looking forward to using the expression murky offshore structures. So tell us who it is, Kieran, as if we couldn't guess. Well, yes, yeah, step forward, Mr Roman Abramovich. Yeah. Um, and um, I think we, again, we said at the time when Russia invaded Ukraine, and there was talk about potential sanctions against individuals. Um, Roman Abramovich uh, went very public in saying, um, I'm, I'm going to set up a, a foundation and the money is going to be distributed to the, uh, yeah, the victims of the conflict in Ukraine. Now, uh, the Chelsea deal went through on the 31st of May. 2022. We're recording this on the 10th of May, 2023. That money is still sitting mm. in a bank account, that £2.5 billion. Um, and the reason for that is that the money was frozen um, uh, as, as opposed to, to taken by the UK government. So the UK government's not in a position. Um, my understanding is that there is concern that 
Roman Abramovich's descendants could appeal against that money being distributed towards charitable causes. It's currently held in some form of trust, and and there are trusts based in Cyprus. Um, I, I used to teach in Cyprus um, quite a lot, and uh, I, I was amazed at the number of of Russian students mm. I used to teach in Cyprus. And, and if you if you go, uh, you know. Uh, if you go to Limassol, if, if you go to Larnaca and, and, and other places, um, you will see uh, you will see uh, restaurants where they've got the menus in in English, they've got them in Greek, and they've got them in Russian. And part of the reason why is that you don't need uh, a visa to to visit Cyprus if you are a Russian citizen, um, and also because and, and I know producer guy will be will be. Uh, sweating when he when he hears me say this, um, Cyprus is very good at sorting out Russian Russia's money laundering issues, and that that's not defamatory. You know, I, I'm, I, I'm, I can say that with a fair degree of confidence. Um, so, what happened here, according to the, this story, is that Roman Abramovich hid £760 million in murky offshore structures uh, in the days before he was sanctioned. But in my view, Roman Abramovich's decision to say, I'm going to set up this foundation, I'm putting the club up for sale, and so on, what that did, just as buying Chelsea ensured that Roman Abramovich didn't mysteriously fall out of a window or die in a paddling Paul from drowning or you know, before upsetting Putin. Um, what, he, what he was very good at, he, he bought himself time. So before the UK government imposed those sanctions, he was free to do other things. Um, and, and it looks as if uh, there has been some money transferred around because he says, look, I'm the good guy in all of this. I'm putting Chelsea Football Club up for sale. Um, and now, you know, the money's not gone to the victims of the conflict in Ukraine, and uh, money has been sloshing around, shall we say, from one country to another, which had the UK government imposed sanctions earlier would not necessarily have been the case. Mm. I, I, th- I think it probably is defamatory, Kieran, but I'm not sure whether entire countries can sue people, can they? I don't think they can. No, good. I, I just can't, I can't imagine the old Bailey next case being Cyprus versus Maguire and Day. <laughs> Uh, I I, I love the fact that people are perhaps surprised by the fact that Roman Abramovich might have moved some of his money where it can't be touched. Of course. Um, Speaking of Russia, I'm on about to to mention that somebody made the mistake of making a jokey remark to the Baroness last night about the Russian girlfriend. (laughs) Uh, And he then got what I can only describe as the the sort of, I think even Paddington Bear would have backed away, taking his hat off in admiration at that hard stare. Which is yes. the temperature. Everyone was suddenly going, it's cold. Is it cold in here? Has it just got colder, isn't it? It's really- <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you to everyone who's donated to the pod via our Patreon page. If you'd like to make a small monthly contribution to the pod as well, that'd be very kind of you. You could do so by going to patreon.com slash price of football. Thank you to those people already who have given us suggestions for possible uh, one-off nostalgia pods. Uh, they're all very good, and we will definitely be doing one. Um, if you have a questions, by the way, that you'd like answered on the show, email us at questions at priceoffootball.com, and we'll try to get through those on one of our Monday pods. But in the meantime, I shall hand you over to Mr. Kieran Maguire for his customary farewell. Um, 
thanks for everybody for all the support and i've just got to say uh, a huge thank you from uh, myself for, for all the kind words that i've had uh, over the course of the last few days it was uh, it, it was it really touched me um th- there's there's other ways in which you can support the show as, as well as the fantastic uh, support from our patreon supporters um and, and that's to give us a review uh, we, we don't understand why we, we, but we're told we're told by producer guy that the reviews really matter um it it by all accounts it doesn't matter what you say on the review you could even say you would rather have the show presented by nookie bear and des Lynam in a battle of the celebrity fans of crystal palace and brighton of albion and it wouldn't make a blind bit of difference to us oh, that'd be oh, mm, nookie yeah nookie bears is live as potty mouthed as you've been today <laughs> yes. bye everybody bye the price of football. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com.